Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about something that somebody asked Saul. One of my friends uh, pointed this question to me, this problem this person had. So this person posted on Facebook, I believe, or somewhere. And he said that as a GM, he has players of four players. He has two players that consistently go beyond what he establishes as what he wants to run. So what's his question? So he questions, what can he do about it? Or what should he do? Or what can he do? Well, the simple answer would be find new players. <laughs> but I don't think they happen. So the problem is also is that he's been playing with these folks for quite a while. I don't know what that meant, but I think he mentioned that it's been years that he plays with these people. So, so he's a GM and there's a group of four players and two of them are always giving him a hard time or being problematic for him. For example, what he described was that he presents a campaign idea. This is what I want to use. Let's say it's D&D. And he says, I'm only going to run the stuff included in my game can only be from the core book and let's say Xanthar's Guide because that's the only book I have. So everybody agrees. They go out, make characters, and the characters come back. And they say, oh, I made. I was looking at my Mordecanes and I really like this cat person or whatever it was, rabbit person. And he's like, okay, I just told you. <laughs> That I wanted to do from these books. Would he say that to them or would he just go, oh, okay, I guess we're having cat people. Well, in I my guess game. that's <laughs> what that's what would happen. Right. And another thing they've done in the past is he's, he has the parameters again. And then he goes, okay, only these books and this, whatever. And they go, oh, and then they come and they have characters that they had from 15 years ago using second edition rules. Right. And they convert them to what they feel is a conversion to their conversion, their conversion guy to to fifth edition. Well, we've talked about both of these things, not specifically here, but I think that if you have a good session zero where well, you yeah. tell people and then um, you got to stick to it, though, as a GM, right? I, th I think that's that's second on my list is have a session zero. And you're right. If you have a session zero, theoretically, people make the characters right then and there. So there's no surprises for the GM, theoretically, right? Also, you should make them give you their character before you start the game and not the second before you start the game so that you can make sure that they have complied with your rules. Well, I've been guilty of this. Usually in the past, I've had people make characters and then, and then they start playing and then I'm finding out things about the characters because I didn't look at them. And I think that's, I mean, I'm just a real uh, lazy type of GM maybe, I don't know. When I do that, I really make a mistake because sometimes the characters make do stuff or make characters a certain way that I wasn't even thinking of or had an intention of playing or letting people play that kind of character. And we and I've talked about in the past how I uh, one of my character one of my players made a character who could craft stuff and then he wanted to craft my items. items and I'm like no and I'm like you know what I don't allow magic items. I don't want players making magic items because I just just something that just dri just drives me nuts because I don't I don't know. It was very difficult for that player to change his character because I think it was third level because he goes ah I'm third level now I I get this feat where I can craft stuff and, and so I was all, I'm like what, what? right because I really wasn't paying attention to what he was doing as far as the the this was probably Pathfinder I believe yeah. and there's all kinds of things about Pathfinder there's feats and skills and oh my god it's it's a pain in the butt for me. And the same thing happened again when they made characters at home and they made dump stats, which I really didn't. They were mini maximizing, right? So they 
to put their wisdom at seven or something like that so they can have extra points at strength, right? Because I was like, how do you have a 20 strength as the beginning character? And then they're like, oh, and then I go, give me your character sheet. And I looked at the character, I go, you have a seven wisdom and then the seven intelligence and stuff like that. And they figured because the, the style of role playing that we were doing, which really was hack and slash, it was and power gaming, that it wouldn't come up, right? It wouldn't make a big difference. And so they were stuck when I decided to, not I decided, but the game had, had a, what is it? Had cultists and the cultists are, are basically evil clerics. And I held one of the characters and he just could not roll to get out of the character, out of being held, you know, like where they freeze you if you don't play D and D. And he had a really tough time. He was really upset about that. And I wasn't, I didn't do it. I didn't do it on purpose. It was just the game. There, it was a uh, published adventure, and it had cultists, and it had oh, one of the things they like to use is a uh, whole person, whole person, and then they, they can do all kinds of things to you or run away. So I tried to hold the whole group, and uh, the only one that held was the one that failed the saving throw, which was uh, the because the he had group. a negative two or something. I think he had a negative two, and and every time he rolled, he was just just couldn't make it. And it wasn't that I think it was a fifteen. It was a the the, the what he needed to roll. But if you rolled a fifteen, it was a thirteen because he didn't quite make it. It would have modified his roll. Anyway, so that has happened to me, and now I'm a little bit more uh, weary about. Now, wary, do you look wary. at the at the character sheet? Yeah, and I asked him, you know, what are you? You know, what what is going on here? And I don't let them make dumb stats, right? I go, no, I don't want you having a negative two. Because they're not going to role play that part, right? Right. They're not going to. It's like a free. I don't know what you call it. To me, it's like cheating, right? So I don't like it, and and maybe I never expressed that to them in in any terms. Augustine never did it, maybe because he knew how I felt, even though I never really expressly told him how I felt. Or you actually looked at his character since he was right there. Maybe, maybe, but I don't think so because. Uh, I think it's just a different style of play. I mean, he knew about dump stats, and I'm like, well, because he heard me complain about dump stats when we went to go play at uh, uh, Pathfinder Society. Yeah, yeah. I go, I go, oh, that should be your dump stat, and I and I talked to you about it, and so he he must have heard me because he I don't think he's ever made a character with a below average stat, and to me that was unheard of unless you were rolling characters, you know, you rolled a seven and you right. stuck with that thing. So, but the first thing I had it was set hard parameters as a GM. Say, this is what I want to, and, and they have to be hard parameters. Say, look, if you can bring, and tell them, if you bring a character that I do not have, is not within these constraints of these books, I don't want to see them. And I don't want to argue about it. Don't make my game, don't make, don't make it harder for me. GMing is a hard enough thing to do. And then like. But I, I want to play a tiefling. Yeah, right. And then, and then I said, you know, have a session zero, right? That's good. Uh, another thing this guy could do, this person, I don't know if it's a guy or a woman, say, you know what, how about you GM? Make that player, one of those two players, or both of them, GM a session. Not even a whole campaign, just a session. Just to see how it works. To see, just to let them know how it is to GM a session. And be responsible for that kind of, the kind of work that a GM does. Which is, as you know, you wear a lot of hats. You're always on the brink of uh, breaking down sometimes and it's very difficult and I think a lot of times players who do this kind of stuff 
they just don't know because they never GM'd. And they take it, uh, what do you call it, for granted that when you bring something outside of the realm that this GM has put the things on, that it really throws them for a loop. And that's one of the complaints that Guy was saying, this GM was saying, is that they would bring characters that were like way out of the of his genre that every time they they did something it would bring him out of the the break the fourth wall right it would take him out of his world and he just get frustrated i'm like that's crazy right i mean i would uh, and i'm and i'm you know we've all been there as a gm saying ah, okay i'll let things slide but if it's really affecting you that much that you're it's it's making your world or breaking you out of that 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 vibe or that zone of playing in that world and it drives throws you out of that then then i think you seriously should consider doing more than just taking it so another thing take them out of the game out of the game not take them out of the game but out of the game have a talk with one or both of these people and tell them why you don't want why you set the parameters that you do and why it's important to you and maybe reach, maybe it'll reach their brain saying, oh, yeah, this guy's really serious. Oh, this person's really serious. Well, if they've been here, is it, now, then you go back to <laughs> people don't want to do that because they don't like confrontation. But if you've been playing with these people for a long time, which it sounds like he has, you can you can do it. You, can ha- you can, it's should okay. be able to handle have that conversation. You should be able to say, hey, what are you doing? I told you I didn't want you to use that book because, and then, but you need to give them a reason why. Not just because I didn't want to look at that book, but, you know, I don't want that particular characters in my book or right. those particular, that particular race. Yeah. You know, I you, don't want you to be a tiefling because you have big jet, you look like a demon, right. and the town folk are not going to take kindly to that. Yeah. I mean, and that was another member I remember. Again, another, a player of mine had, was a tiefling, and I didn't know what a tiefling was. <laughs> and I saw the picture. I'm like, it looks like it looks like uh, what's his name, uh, the bad guy from uh, Darth Maul. Yes, yeah, you look like Darth Maul with the tattoos and the the horns and stuff. I'm like, but he had like an 18 charisma, and he wanted to be the face of the yes, group. Yes, he right? wanted to be the face of the group. I was like, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, and that that was a problem, right? His idea was, I have an 18 charisma. I can talk to anybody. I can talk to anybody. And they're going to they're gonna take to they're me They're going to listen to me because I have an 18 charisma, regardless of what I look like. Maybe, but no, not in this <laughs> world. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And I, I, was, I have always been that type of GM that says, if it doesn't make sense, I don't care what it says in the rules to me. If it doesn't make sense, I'm going to change the rules. Maybe if you're in a city and they're used to seeing tieflings, that's right, one thing. Right. But if you're off on a country road and you walk into a village and they've never seen a tiefling, right. they're going to kill you. They don't exist. <laughs> right? right. I remember, uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, my God. I was I had something in my brain, but it, it, it slipped away. But I was thinking about, oh, man. Anyway, doesn't matter. I think having a, a real talk with these people who are, and, and you got to wonder if they're continually doing this. I think it is because you've let them do it and it's like, oh, he doesn't really care. He says it, but it doesn't really matter. And I think that's a big problem we have as GMs when we want people to have fun and we want people to be at our table and you're just going to, okay, I'm going to let you slide on this. You know, oh, go ahead, bring in your your character from second edition. Now he's a, you know, uh, 
10th level death knight whatever and and you play the game because they're your friends and i totally understand that but if it's really like bothering you then to me you're not having fun as a gm and that's that's critical to me and i oh i was talking about things that don't make sense i remember it was it was in the rules of fifth edition and i forget what uh, i'm not really good into about rules but you can do an action uh, it doesn't matter but the whole idea was I got into a discussion with one of my fellow players is how it worked so the idea was he's behind a wall he can pop up shoot at somebody and get beha- back behind the wall this was a long discussion yes. by the way in the middle of a game yeah and i should i shouldn't have done that i just said it doesn't make sense to me but boom it was such a pain in the butt to me uh, or it, it stuck in my crawl that i at D and D beyond or they had questions to the to the people at wizards of the coast and i forget who the the person that charge was but he's a, supposed to anyway. be a great gm and uh i'm not supposed to be supposed to be he is but anyway it doesn't matter so i i posted my question i go this is happening and, and basically what i basically my problem was is that this person could keep popping up shooting pop down without ever having any consequences of not every game you're shot at or at least being targeted and so I posited this question on the uh, online forums or whatever it was, or it was I think it was on Facebook. And he messaged me, or he you know he posted back, so I'm right, that's the that rule is right. That's exactly how it works. And so I I go really so the person who's popping up is never going to be able to get hit. And he goes, correct. I go that doesn't make any sense. So I, I here's the person who was in charge of D and D at least the rules and stuff like that, and he's telling me that something to me that didn't make sense and i'm like so i could forever do that oh i'll just shoot from behind a wall or whatever and i'm like no that doesn't make sense just bring in somebody from behind him and shoot him in the back hello well if he's like in a castle how are you gonna do that so i did i go that doesn't make sense and i'm like well if you pop up and they're they're ready in action then as soon as you pop up because you can do that according to fifth edition rules and uh, and that's what I did. So I, I I go well. It doesn't make sense. Anybody can react to you coming out around the corner or up, pop up from a hidden position, and be able to sh- be able to try to hit you. Not even automatically hit you. Just be able to roll to hit you. And that's what the rule was. That no, he didn't. Nobody got a chance to roll to hit him. And I go well. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in my world. It doesn't make sense in reality. I know we're not talking about reality game. So I changed it. I mean, uh, and, and and what is that? Was that what's? You made a house rule. Yeah, but what do they call it? The rule one or the golden rule, rule? zero. Rule zero. Rule zero. Rule, rule, rule zero. zero. And what's rule zero? That the G. It's the GM's world, and he can change it the way he wants to. <laughs> Which I think that's a that's the a caveat that a lot of people forget, and I think uh, a lot of rules lawyers out there would hate that kind of GMing, right? But that's been around. I mean. We're talking Gary Gygax is the one that says that, right? Right. That's he created D and D. So when when people tell you, well, no, you have to write do it as a, the way that it's written, then you just go, well, no, this is it's my world, and this is the way we're going to do right. it. I have that that ability to do it. If if we can talk about it, but I don't want that rule in my system. Right. And I think it's as long as you're fair and don't change it back and forth because just to suit your just to suit the NPCs and then the players don't get that. This rule doesn't work for you, but it works for 
Timmy right. sitting that's across I'm, the table. That's what I'm talking about. I think that's what will irk people. And I've done that many times in the past where I'm like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know what? No. I will always try to, if I make an error, it's an error to make it make sense. Because some rules some rules in D&D and many games are there just to balance things out. Right? Right. And I, I don't believe in that crap. Right? I don't believe in balance. I believe in more in reality. If something, if some somebody falls uh, from 300 feet onto a, a pavement, they're going to suffer a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of they're gonna be potentially squished. dead damage, right? They're going to die. And and sometimes, you know, it, like I forget, I think that that was one of the rules in D&D is that they, they say that you could only suffer maximum damage, blah, blah, blah. It was this much damage. And if you were high enough level, you had more hit points than that, which doesn't make sense. But I think, I think it had to do with the uh, error in math, <laughs> so it's just, which can happen. But another one is just play the game, right? If these people have been doing this for a long time, you getting all upset and putting your foot down probably is not going to have that much effect because they know you. They're like, oh, we, but we still want to play. And because you're such a softy or whatever you want to call it, you're going to keep running. So just let them do whatever they want because uh, how about this? Don't let it get to you. Don't let it, you know, don't let it that be part of the, the problem. And uh, I know that's hard because sometimes things really stick in your crawl. Jolene said, you know, get a different group. Uh, that That is definitely a viable plan. If these people really bother you, say, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to GM for a while. Uh, and then just forget to say you guys for a while and just find another group. Because there's always people looking for somebody to GM them. Always. Especially if you have a lot of experience and you're probably a pretty decent GM, and if and if if you're the GM that at the at one of the things that is bothering you is that it, you keep breaking immersion in your game because uh, you're playing a medieval fantasy game and this guy brings Mr. Rayman who has a blaster and is blasting all your orcs away with a with a Gamma World fusion pistol, uh, yeah, that would bother me. But if I let him play that character, then it's my own fault. For letting him play that character, so instead of getting into that rigmarole of uh, of of I don't want to tell you, know, you don't want to deal with your best your friends that you know for a long time who continue to do this, just say you know what, uh, don't even tell them, just tell them hey I'm gonna take a break from jamming, or or start playing. You know, playing is a good way to get out of that funk of being a GM. So I think too many people GM too much, and then uh, get frustrated at things, and I think sometimes. Those things that didn't frustrate you before become easily frustrate you. And I think that's you're starting to burn out as a GM. Was that his only question on his? But yeah, that was the only thing that he was talking about was that his players would continually do this. And I think I think we, we got to remember is that play, the GM is a player, too. Right. They're playing the game just as much as just as much as the players are. Right. And I, I've had that happen where where. And I, and I use the example of running the same scenario, the same adventure, module, whatever you want to call it, over and over again at a conventions, right? When when I thought, well, why would I run the same game? It just, I'd get bored. Because it turns out totally different. Right, because you have different players playing. And I think, and then what what what, what is really different is your reaction to what they're doing 
And so that's where the entertainment comes from and comes in when when even if you've run this game once or twice or three times, you have players asking different questions, uh, doing different things, and you're reacting to that. You're playing the game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And because and I know I'm playing the game because I'm getting entertained by these people who are playing my game. Even if I run the same scenario, there are different people playing it. And when I'm in that game with them, I'm totally entertained. I mean, even though I know what the scenario is, I kind of know which direction the the game is because, you know, at conventions, they're kind of railroady a little bit in my book. Uh, You kind of have to be just my own personal opinion. For the time frame. Right. And uh, and I wouldn't and I what I thought is I'd be bored if I ran the same scenario again, you know, over again. And. And I was uh, always, I told you, I, I mentioned this uh, cow pokes and something, this old uh, Deadlands game that I would continue to see at Dungeon Con over and over again. And I'm like, man, why does this person keep running the same game? Isn't he bo-? I mean, years he ran this game. And I, and I had never done that before. But I could see why. Because every time he ran it, it would be with a different group of players. And he would be entertained by what they did and how they uh, tackled the situation differently. And that's what I learned when I was running the game. And I think because of that, I, I started thinking that the GM is also playing the game. It's not like you're a director. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, ex- explain or, or describe role-playing games as a as a movie. You know, you're just a director, the GM's a director, and the players are the actors. And you're not directing nobody. I mean, you're kind of presenting things to them, but they're ad-libbing everything. It's like more improvisational theater in a certain sense where the director, there's no director. You're just putting out things that, uh, topics, right? And they, and then the actors are just doing whatever they, they comes up to mind. And that's what you're doing. And so, and because of that, because of the, that's the way it is, I'm not just directing you, okay, you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. No, I'm going to be entertained because, oh, wow, I nobody's ever done that before and i'm entertained so i think a lot of gms that get in this kind of rut where their players run a rush out over them i think the players forget that the gm's a player too and you know they want to be entertained too and 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 sometimes if a player is uh is not breaking the rules the gm rules it's not fun for the gm and i think i think that they're being taken advantage of in that sense because they know that uh, this GM is not going to do anything about it. They can bring in the Gamma World character into this medieval fantasy. I, I don't think that they'd go that far. The no? Gamma World character into a medieval <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> well, But I think that, if that, that that GM might have other problems with these two people in his game. If he's been playing with them for a long time. Yeah. It's probably not just the character creation that bothers him. Oh, no, no. Probably not just character creation. It's things that they do. The because when you've been playing with, with the same group for a long time, you're right. They Everybody should take turns being the GM because if they don't, then one person is stuck trying to entertain people. And, these, and people that you play with a lot are going to take advantage of you and do things that, that you're like, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> well, I think... I think when when you play the same, uh, what is it? The players are always the players, and the GM is always the GM. You do get into those ruts, right? You do know how that GM thinks or that person thinks, right? 
like if they're throwing in a mystery game, they're like, ah, oh, I know how he he always does this red herring, and then the real clue is the second one. You know, and I I'm not I'm just being really uh, obtuse here, but but sometimes people know their GM so well that they kind of can guard, you know get an idea of how they run the game. Well, they will do know how they run the game, and that's why they they play with them. When people do that, they kind of get into this rut of how how the game's going to work. And even like, well, Jim says that he doesn't want any orc characters in this game. Well, he's always allowed me. To I'm going to be a half orc. Yeah. <laughs> he's always let us do what we want. So he put up, he put up the fight, but then he just says, okay. Which is interesting because then I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't allow it. Really? You'd say, no, put your foot down. Well, yeah, because maybe my scenario—if you see an, if someone sees an orc, they kill him. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, he's only half orc. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, so I think this guy's in a, in a pickle. I think uh, he either has to put his foot down and uh, and have a, a real you know, big boy pants and have this conversation. And it's tough. I mean, I mean, I don't think I've ever really had a big boy, boy big boy conversation with anybody. I mean, I think. I think the in our group, you know, Mike uh, doesn't want children being in 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 uh, in danger, and uh, and Jim, uh, our GM, you know, we rotate Jim. You know, he he just he forgets he he, he put a kid in danger and he, and and it really kind of upset Mike. And so Mike wrote him an email saying, you know, I I already told you I didn't want and then and then he really was felt. I mean, Jim was really upset also because. He, that's not what he meant. He just totally forgot about Mike's position on the, on that. But and, you guys have been playing for so yeah. long that that stuff like that will come up, right? Right, and I and and, I, and it comes from me and Mike being uh, middle aged and and having children. No, no, middle aged and having children, <laughs> and that we're in a different place than we were when we were in our twenties, where we could. Not that we put kids in danger all the time, but it wouldn't even think about it. Well, now it you were just going to save the kid, right? Well, a, well, now you're Mike's going. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. And and don't and everybody has those has those. What do you call it? The deal breakers. Deal breakers. Like I remember somebody was saying online that they don't want any animals being mistreated in the game. Yeah. Because they're really, you know, they really love animals, or they have a pet, or, or whatever, whatever the, the whatever the whatever made, makes them feel that way. And so when they say stuff like that, you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, this guy's kicking a dog left and right. They're like, what the hell? Yeah, I just told you I don't want. And so I understand completely when people do that, do that kind of stuff, and and get upset about it. But like I said, you put on your big po- big boy pants or big person pants and you have a conversation say you know what i know i already told you this i got a little bit upset but i'm not that conversation i didn't hear or i didn't read because it was an email and it was between mike and and uh jim Jim. but jim publicly apologized to all of us saying mike said that he didn't want any children here i am having a 10 year old child Shadowrun game and she was a powerful uh technomancer or whatever but she was still a child, and she was still possibly in danger, and uh, and and I can see how Jim says, "Well, she's powerful, so she's not in danger," because he knows because he's the GM. Right. But we don't know that as the players, and the players didn't know that. Our characters didn't know that either. I, I was playing in that game. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's the game. 
when we have that kind of situation, I think whatever the the problem is, you just have to talk about it. Right. And sometimes it's not very comfortable and, and people will get upset. And uh, like Jim was really upset about it because not because, you know, how dare you not like my character? He goes, he was upset about it because he had it had been discussed that Mike didn't want kids in, in, in trouble or in danger. And he did this and he didn't. And I can see how he didn't think he was in the kid was in danger because he knew that the character right. was really powerful. and was not going to be hurt. But we didn't know that. So we, we know our characters were like you know, doing this kind of things, trying to reach the child. And then afterwards, I think Mike texted me or contacted me. He goes, what do you think about this? I go, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it. And then I, I go, oh, you go, but I could tell that he was not happy with that scenario and how it worked out. But, you know, we talk about it now. Doesn't happen anymore, and so, in that sense, that's good because you know. And you're using that example because that's how you how you solve problems. And that's how you solve problems. And I think if Mike would just you know, uh, that bothers me and kept playing without saying anything, it would it might be in a reoccurring problem. And then and then you, you wouldn't want to play anymore. Then you want to play anymore, right? And they're like, oh, I'm going to stop playing, and we don't know why. Right. We can probably tell that he's upset about something, maybe, but we may not. And so I think but this when, GM could just tell these these guys that no, I told you I didn't want you to use that button. Right, right. When they might go, oh, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. I already made the character. Yeah, and that's what he says. He said that they would make these characters and they would have these big backgrounds and convoluted stories and stuff like that. And so come on, I already spent hours working on my backstory, and I did this and I did that, and they're like. I even drew a sketch of them. And so then maybe he should make them do, make their characters at the session zero. That's what I'm saying. I you think that would solve need to make problem. sure. Yeah, just have a session zero. That would solve a lot of problems going, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Why are you looking at that book? <laughs> I, that book is bad for my table. <laughs> I told you you couldn't use that book. I think that's hilarious. I think that's funny that they would continue to do this. But like I said... Well, if they're making the and and it's true when you're making the character on your own, the GM doesn't tell you give right. you parameters or something. You can make whatever you want, and then you show up with your with your um, gunslinger, and they go oh, and the GM goes oh, gunpowder doesn't work in my world. Right. Then you're like, or does it, But I just spent two weeks working on my character. Yes. Look, all I I, I researched all these feats, and I I got his I got a drawing of his him with his gun and all this stuff, and yeah, I think. That that's, a lovely drawing, that's a lovely but drawing, but no. <laughs> I think session zero would really, really solve a lot of these problems. That, and or if you're, well, I guess he was specific. He told him, I don't want you to use, I don't want to use, I don't want to use that book. Right. Or right. I don't want, I don't want orcs in my game. I don't want this. Right. right. I only want to use the court book and nothing out of the court book. Okay, I'm going to be an astronaut <laughs> from the future. Yeah, I think that they've gotten used to it, to doing whatever they want anyway. And the GM just lets them do it, obviously. And so they don't think nothing of it, right? Oh, yeah, Jim doesn't allow all this. Eh, but look at this cool character I made. I think he'll, he'll make an exception yeah. for me. And, I, and if I come up with this great backstory, hey, that, that's what all GMs want. Well, GMs do like backstories sometimes, right? <laughs> well, it's a lot of stuff that they they could uh, use for adventurous ideas. 
And if you run into a GM that you 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 didn't listen to him, he might kill off your character right away and <laughs> say, "Oh, you need to make a new character." Sorry. And by the way, you gotta make that character in front of me next time. <laughs> We're gonna do it right here, right now. <laughs> yes, I think the 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 best thing to do as a GM is just to be straightforward with your players, and as players, think of your GM. Well, listen uh, to right, them yeah. too. Listen, well, they, they might they might have a reason why they don't want to allow certain books or certain character classes or whatever. And it's their world, it's their game, and have a little respect for the for the for the player for the person that's running the game for you. Also, it's good to know, like in your group, what you know. I'm not talking about balanced party or anything, but it's good to know what the other characters are, so you don't both show up as rogues, unless. You, you need a couple of rogues, right? You could. And if they do show up as, as rogues, that's fine. But a session zero might, you know, help to alleviate that by there's not three rogues. We might want, you know, <laughs> something else. Yeah. Everybody shows up with a rogue, four rogues at a party. Like, hmm, that would be interesting. It would be interesting, maybe, but probably not what the GM had in <laughs> had mind. In mind. Yes. So I think uh, it all comes down to a little bit of respect between the player and the GM and everybody, I mean, unless you're 14, but then this guy person has been playing with this group for a while. So unless you're really young and, you know. But when you're you're a teenager or whenever you start playing, that's when you're going to learn all these things, right? right? If you're the GM, you're going to be going, oh, well, okay, so he brought all these feats or the, he, he's doing this. How am I going to? How am I going to make this fun for everybody else if he's going to kill everything? Right. Or how am I going to, you know, that's going to be the problem for the GM to yes. figure out. And so this guy, after you do one game like that, you'd go, oh, okay, no. I need everyone to make new characters and this is what I need you to do. <laughs> this is what I want out of the game. Yeah. This is why I want to run the game. Yeah. Although yeah. as a teenager, you might not say that. Yeah. No, no. Or as a first time GM, you might not say yeah. that because you don't know. Right. And I think, like I said, GMing is a pretty tough job. It can be a pretty tough job, and uh, I don't think you should make it worse for them by not following directions. <laughs> I don't know if we answered the question, but there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. <laughs>